go back into South Bend's history. 20 years, 50 years, 100 years. And what do you see? You see groups of people working to bring change to this city. They had different ideas of what that change should be. They didn't always agree. And their problems sometimes looked different than ours. But in every era, there were groups of people for whom positive change was their life goal. This podcast, South Bend's Own Words, features the voices of people who helped make this city change. We'll play you selections from the Civil Rights Heritage Center's oral history collection with the goal of telling you a more complete history of the city. It's the story of many cultures, not just one. It's the story of South Bend. Leroy and Margaret Cobb were two of the 26 people who fought severe housing discrimination in order to build a safe, stable, and wonderful neighborhood. The organization was called the Better Homes of South Bend. At the time, their family was still young. Leroy had a job at Studebaker, and while it earned him enough money to afford a home, white real estate agents and white homeowners denied the Cobbs and thousands like them the chance to buy one. White bankers, too, refused to loan them money. So they and some of their fellow Studebaker workers conspired to buy parcels of land in South Bend's northwest side, find out-of-town banks to offer mortgages, and build quality family homes. In June of 2017, Mr. Cobb pulled the veil off a new state historical marker honoring his work and the work of over two dozen others who fought racial discrimination and built a special neighborhood. Sixteen years earlier, in December of 2001, Mr. and Mrs. Cobb sat down with Indiana University South Bend students Adrian Collier and David Healy to talk about their experiences and their special place in South Bend's history. Indiana Bell Telephone is a car wash. Oh yeah, yeah. When I got out of high school from '48 to '53, I worked at uh, Studebaker. But then, primarily, the majority of blacks were working in the foundry at Studebaker. Very few worked outside the foundry. I mean, there were jobs, but I mean, majority when they hired you and you went on the hottest and the dirtiest jobs there were. Where were you living during that time period? When, that, when I, in 1950, that's when, I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, 1950, in the spring, a group of us blacks formed Better Homes of South Bend Incorporated. But there was 26 of us formed uh, corporations at that time. And uh, we, we started in. That's right. We started, and our lawyer was uh, Chester J. Chester Allen. What was the purpose of this organization? To secure homes, better homes of South Bend, because we had bought the land out here. We had lots out here, twenty-six lots. We secured. At that time, we encountered so much problem about having having a home building, blacks, and finance. When we finally bought the land, and we got a lawyer. And it took us, well, actually, we, we went in in June of 50, right when it first started, first started the corporation. We never moved in until November 1st of 1953. It took us that long. We encountered all kinds of problems because first, we run into opposition for financing. We couldn't get one bank to finance the 26 of us. We had to divide it up between, I think there was about six banks, you know, for various reasons. The credit was nice, so there was no problem about the credit, but that's a problem we encountered then. Now, was that just to buy the initial land? No, no, we had already owned the land. Our land, our lots only cost $200, all the lot costs. Did we you have any problems it. buying the land? No, no, we didn't have any problem. We had a... Uh, 
some fellow that owned all of these lots, he sold us all his lots. Right, there was no problem. But at that time, there were two, if not three, black families north of Lincoln Way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was it. As far as uh, blacks on this side of Lincoln Way, no. No. So once you moved out here, your area was on Elmer Street was just primarily made of um, black families who bought No, no. Now, no. only when you say that, just the 17 and 1800 block, everything else was white. That was it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you had two blocks in the middle of a white neighborhood? Right, yeah. right, right. Well, what kind of problems did that cause? <laughs> you know, we didn't have any problem with our neighbors now far as physical or anything like no. that. I mean, everyone was nice. They were nice. But up to that time, we got threatening letters, they, you know. They, they were nice off a distance. Oh, yes. They didn't say anything to them, and they didn't say anything to them. Mm -hmm. That's why they were nice. They sent you threatening letters? Oh, yes. To our lawyer. Oh, he yes. brought it to the meeting, and he read oh, yes. this, and it was very, very derogatory. Oh, yes. Ugly letter. Oh, yes. They had me scared because I was really young, and my husband worked nights, and... and I said, oh, my God, I'm scared. I'm here by myself, you know, because we just moved out here, and, and to get something threatening like that, you know, mm -hmm. it was very upsetting. And they put us through some horrors, okay? and they sent this letter. You don't even want to know what the letter said. I was going to ask you, did they save a copy of it? <laughs> Is there a copy of it? Someone said what the letter said. It, the, the, um, our lawyer, Lawyer Allen, right. the letter to, we had, we had meetings every right. month. And uh, he brought the letter. He said, I want to read the people this letter because we're having problems. He said, and this is a letter from the community out there. I don't, I bet, but it wasn't signed. It was oh, no, letter. it wasn't, definitely wasn't and, signed. Uh, it just said, you niggers better stay in your place. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what mm -hmm. it said. I was telling my husband about that this morning. Uh, and, and it was so scary because at that time, we didn't have any streets. It was just mud. Uh, we didn't have any sidewalks, just a new home. And, and you had to put in your own uh, landscaping and everything. And, and us being out here in the middle <laughs> of this white neighborhood, just 26 families, it was scary. It was scary. It was scary like I can imagine some of the people went through in Martin, in Martin Luther King down there. And uh, I, I, I can only imagine what they went through. We had a problem. Getting contractors even to bill for us. Oh yeah, and then they want to give a substandard. Uh, right. Thing. In fact, that uh, we had two contractors gave a bid on the home, even though we had the blueprints and all. You know, you had your choice of picking out your tile floor and all that, and mm -hmm. my wife picked out her tile floor, but that's not what they installed. They installed a different one. They, they did what they wanted. It was an educational thing to me all this time, because I was just 21. My wife wasn't, but was. Yeah, yeah. Just that's turned 20. That's right. When we lived in that house, how long had we lived there when we went down... Over on O'Brien. Two blocks. blocks. Two blocks on O'Brien. Huey O'Brien, yeah. Because when we moved in, we only had two children there. It swelled up to six and three bedrooms. With Five men. girls. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we were we were thinking that, you know, we were going to have to, we either, we needed more room. So we eyed a house down on O'Brien, which wasn't there, but two blocks away. We could have practically see the house. And uh, we all white, right? Right, it's still white there, and that was in 19, yeah, 
59. We've been in our home six years. And uh, we went down there to see no, this we house. Called first though. Yeah. We saw the for sale sign and we right. called. And she told us we could come and look at it. Right. But when we went, she didn't know we were black. Mm-hmm. So she said to us, right, point blank, oh, I, I, I didn't realize, you know, I, I didn't realize that if I'd done this, my neighbors would tie and threaten me. Those were her exact words. Right. And so mm-hmm. we said that. Well, uh, you know, you mean to tell me that you wouldn't sell the house to us? We have the money. And, um, you know, she was so nervous. And we just let her go because she was going to pass out. So we just told her, you know, it's okay. So, so we couldn't get that house. So we just decided to add on. So we had on addition the family room and two bedrooms. We just stayed there for 37 and a half years. Right. Yeah. And we just. But uh, as far as housing, no, uh, at that time, you couldn't move anywhere or buy anywhere in the state, I mean, in the city. Even no. our doctor. Right. Did you ever deal with a real estate agent? They just didn't want to, just didn't want to sell. Oh. No, they wouldn't, no, at that time, no. <laughs> but they'd rent you, you know, they'd sell you cars. So, oh, if you wanted a car, you can get a car. It's just oh, not yes. a house. Oh, not a house. Oh, no. Not in certain areas. Well, uh, I think the real estate agents and the banks conspired. Oh, definitely. There's no doubt about to that. Limit right. Americans to certain sections. Oh, that. definitely. There's no doubt about that. Right. But not all. In other words, just like now, if you get ready to buy a home, they'll steer you to a certain area. But remember this: a lot of realtors are looking at your income for one thing. You know. And even before that, a lot of them have this preconceived idea that, well, you know, you just can't afford that. So, but, you know, blacks are able to buy all over. But, like I say, they'll steer you away from certain areas. There's no doubt about that. Now, what did you do for, like, if you had beauty shops or barber shops here during the time? Did you have any that most black men went to? Oh, yeah, we all went to, you know, it's still that way. You know, you go to black beauty shops and mm-hmm. beauticians, there's, that hasn't changed, although now majority of them are integrated, you know. Right. You mentioned the 50s and 60s. 50s, I guess, because we were raising family and, you know, we didn't, really didn't have any money to go quite a few places, right. you know, really. Mm-hmm. Where'd your children go? Did they go to... Natatorium? Did he go to Plainland Park? Today, I took my I took my son to the natatorium. But see, that was after the segregation had broke down. Though you could go swimming. See, and I remember when well, we could only go on the first month of every Park month. Same same thing with a uh, Playland roller skating. And yeah. then there go near the swimming pool. I only I swam in the Playland in the, in the uh, Playland Park swimming pool twice. Yes, you could only go in the natatorium like say once a month. Once a month. On a Monday. Um, yes. <laughs> Going downtown to the stores. Oh, they didn't even want to serve Say about integration here. And you now when you start talking about jobs, <laughs> in 19... And female. Yeah. Where did you work at? I, I, I retired from Toro Wilmer. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. 23 years I got hired the year after they started hiring female, black or white. Mm-hmm. They didn't hire any. They didn't hire, didn't hire any females right. until '68. What was your job at Wilhorse? Your various jobs. Variety of jobs. Um, well, you know they built a garden and right. lawn and garden implements. 
and uh, you uh, done whatever your foreman put you on. Actually, uh, you were uh, on the on the uh, well, assembly was, line. I was on the assembly line, right. uh, which mostly everybody did. Except for the men that drove the tone orders and uh, the repair men, and the you didn't have any black women in the office up there. We never did have any. In the 23 years I stayed there, they still didn't have any. Yes, they did. That one, the Holmes girl, that won that lottery, and she, well, of course she quit, and she was the only black that was in the office. Man or woman? Well, Mr. Fuller, he was uh, human relations. He would <laughs> he would try to discourage the women that uh, the work. He would always say, "Not man, you, know, you have to do this and you have to do that, and you have to do the same as the men do." Not you sure you want to come in here? <laughs> At the time, we had six children. I, I said, "Do the rest of the women do it?" I said, "Yes." I said, "Well, I can do it too." And I did. I stayed for years. Some of the work was pretty hard. I was young. But now, when you started talking about the 50s and 60s, we moving out here on Elmer in 53, there were actually, uh, we had to have a group of black parents go to a measles school there. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. You talk to the principal and the teachers. And what happened was, it's just like this, the school city, they knew they had prejudiced teachers, but what they do, they just shove them around from one place to another. It was hard to get rid of them, you know, really. You know, so you, they had a problem. And it's still that way, right? There's no doubt about that. What was the incident that caused this group of people? Uh, one of the teachers had a habit of right. telling the black kids uh, when they would act up, uh, now you're showing your colors. And, 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 went, and, and they were offended by it. And so uh, we just went down to ask her what she meant. And did she ever use this term with the white children? And she said, well, no, but I, 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 I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like it sounded. I just meant that that's just a term I use. You're showing your colors. Well, quite naturally, a person of color was going to take it, you know, the wrong way. And, uh, and it wasn't just one child. That's why you had a group of parents yes. go there. It was, she, she, she would do that all the time. I never will forget me. But uh, you still, you still had that prejudice there. Now, when you start talking about civil rights, oh, we can go way back. Really, it was bad, you know. Really, but you just had to persevere and keep moving on. Really, because, like I say, with all those obstacles, we still came out on top. As far as I'm concerned, right? All you gonna do is make a decent living and raise your kids up and get them off and. That's it. South Bend's Own Words is made possible by executive producer Kevin Tidmarsh and me, George Garner. Want to see and hear more about South Bend's history? Our archival collection is online at Michiana Memory, a partnership with the St. Joseph County Public Library. Go to michianamemory.sjcpl.org. Special thanks to Civil Rights Heritage Center Director Daryl Heller for his guidance and support for this project. Learn more about the center and how it changed a formerly segregated South Bend swimming pool into an active learning center dedicated to sharing the history and contemporary issues around civil rights and social justice. Visit us in person or online at crhc.iusb.edu.